You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and www.thefireplacechurch.org, where every Friday and Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, we have live worship at live service, live teaching, followed by uh, live internet-based moderated discussion groups that are accessible by clicking a simple button on our website. So definitely hang out with us, except... This Friday and uh, Sunday, because we're taking a little vacation here at Bride Ministries, um, a lot of our moderators are also taking vacations, and we just felt, you know, Thanksgiving, it's going to just be the easiest thing to say, everybody, just have a good time, you know. God gave us family, God gave us friends, and fellowship is really part of the heart of God for us, and so... This weekend, there is no Fireplace Church. There also won't be any Fireplace Church the the weekend of Christmas, that uh, Friday and then Sunday, actually, this year is Christmas Day. We won't be having any Fireplace Church services that weekend, but uh, we will be back on New Year's. So anyway, I am so excited that it is the end of the year. I'm going to be taking some time off this month and next month. And Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall will still continue to go out. I'm just saying I'm going to be taking some time off. You won't know it if you're a listener. And I am so looking forward to that because, man, oh, man, has this year been a wild ride. You know, in the year of 2015, Bride began to grow. This year, the growth of this ministry has been explosive. 
absolutely explosive and we've seen a lot of changes a lot of transitions uh we've endured quite a bit of attack and we are continuing to just put our foot in the sand and say we will not stop we will continue to preach the kingdom we will continue to help survivors we will continue in doing everything that the lord has mandated for us to do and we're going to display the heart of god at every step and so we, we just continue to look forward to expanding. Guys, you are going to get to look forward to more and more conferences. As a matter of fact, we're preparing to do Advanced Spiritual Warfare number 2 on December 17th. So some of you that have taken Advanced Spiritual Warfare number 1 know the Advanced Spiritual Warfare course is advanced. It is where we go out there, Cosmic Galactic. You're like, oh, that sounds like fun. I want to be in there. If you haven't already taken a discipleship course through Bride Ministries, I'm sorry it's not open to you. Uh, the Advanced Spiritual Warfare courses are only offered to those that have been through at least one of our discipleship courses here at Bride Ministries. And if you want to be able to take Advanced Spiritual Warfare courses in the future, just be sure to sign up for the next round of discipleship. There'll be more discipleship starting sometime in January and then going forward from there. So just uh, look forward to those emails if you're on our email list and sign up when the opportunity presents itself. I, um, I, I am going to say we're going to be getting into some really, really cool things in this Advanced Spiritual Warfare Conference, including how, how to get freedom from reptilian genetics, draconian genetics, human persecutors. Uh, we, we're even going to get into uh, timeline correction and, and that ministry. And so we are going to really have a good time. There's a shameless plug. That email will be going out to those that have been through Bride Ministries Discipleship Courses in a few days, maybe a week or so at the most. So with that said, um, I, you know, folks, we have some books available. We have a lot of other conferences we plan to do starting in January. I am looking at a conference with me and Dr. Rob Ruckert on the human spirit, just a whole day or two uh, teaching specifically on the human spirit, its function, how to get more engaged with your human spirit that God designed and put inside of you. And I tell you what, this is a revolution in the body of Christ that's coming, folks. It's, it's based around this revelation that we have a spirit. We have a human spirit that is designed by God, that is his candle on the inside of us, searching all the inward parts, that is um, absolutely indispensable in the execution of the ministry we've been given in the earth. Folks, uh, that'll be coming in January, and that will be open, actually. So as long as you are on our email list, you can uh, sign up. And so that email will go out soon enough, maybe in the next few weeks. That's all I have to say for now. Folks, I really want you to enjoy your Thanksgiving. And today we're going to be talking with Robert Vandrice Mitchell, uh, Illuminati defector extraordinaire. His story is just out of this world, literally out of this world. And uh, we're going to be getting into it today on timelines and what actually exists in other timelines as well as black-eyed children. You're not going to want to miss this. And by the way, uh, before I, I just say anything else, you know, Bride Ministries is not small. We are growing, we are expanding, and every week we are spending, you know, a lot of money to do what we do, to help the survivors that we help, to execute the Fireplace Church Weekly, to uh, cover the expenses of having staff, and, you know, we're advancing the kingdom. Folks, we are building alongside of you. And realistically, the way it works is the more that we are able to bring in, the more we are able to do. That's 
just how this thing plays out. You know, we build the 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 infrastructure, we build the strategies, and and then when we are able to afford to increase, expand, so on and so forth, uh, we do, we do. And so I want to invite you to partner with us if you have been listening to us for a long time, have never considered becoming a financial partner of Bride, it's really easy. Just click a donate button on bridemovement.com or thefireplacechurch.org or write to us at P.O. Box 362 Nash, Texas 75569. I guarantee you, you are sowing into good soil. Our expenses do not even include a building and light bills. For crying out loud, we spend every dime that we raise on actual ministry or staff or whatever have you. And so uh, this is truly a ministry without walls. Anyway, we invite you to partner with us in giving, and yes, the gentleman you are about to hear has been healing because of you, our generous donors that uh, underwrite the cost of help for survivors of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control agendas, Illuminati programming. This is the fruit of your seed. And so there's the invitation, folks. We're going to be right back. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. We are on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. And I'm going to tell you what, we are in for it again today because we're going to be talking with uh, my guest, my friend, one of the survivors that I work with personally, Robert Van Dreist Mitchell. And for those of you that are not aware, he's already done four programs with me on his incredible story, the things that he has seen and experienced firsthand as an Illuminati defector. His information is really, really incredible. And I'll tell you what, he has left a lot of people just with their jaws on the floor, shocked, amazed. Uh, and we're, we're going to be going just another step further today into more things that you haven't heard him talk about before, uh, more memories that we've been able to recover as we've done work together. And I'll, I'll tell you what, Robert is a hero. He is a champion. He is an overcomer in Christ. I'm so proud of him. And so, Robert, it's a pleasure to have you back on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Hello, Daniel. It is great to be back and uh, to have a fifth round if I recall the numbers we have done so far. And I hope that a lot of uh, listeners will uh, learn 
a lot more again than with the others before and we're gonna have a few other altars today out again as well as we had in episode three and four if i recall yeah and it's always interesting um i i i know that you are the only uh individual that i've interviewed on this program where we've demonstrated what it's like for a someone to actually switch and speak from one of their altars in the middle of a program. And yes, that is something that we're going to demonstrate today again as we let some of your parts talk about what they've seen beginning actually with the subject of timelines and alternate timelines. And and folks, I know that for many of you, this is going to be a, a real big challenge. But we have talked a little bit on some of our other episodes about alternate timelines, possible futures, potential past, things of this nature. And a lot of the conversation around time occurred in, in, in programs we did uh, centering on Project Montauk. And Robert was part of that conversation then as well. We're going to be going a little bit deeper into that today. But as a preface before we really get into it, I just want to raise a few points that really help to create some context around this discussion. And one of them is that in the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, verse Isaiah 45, verse 7, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. And, and this is where people begin to really have a, a hard time with understanding God. Is they ask the question, well, how can God make peace and create calamity? Wouldn't that make him a bad guy? And the answer is, well, no, not necessarily. No, it wouldn't, not at all. As a matter of fact, what God does is he sets up a situation known as free will, where he gives people the genuine ability to make choice. But in order for choice to exist, the possibility to choose has to exist. In, in other words, I can't say you have a choice, but only put one possibility in front of you. I have to put two possibilities in front of you and then say you have a choice. So if, if you have a choice between apple juice and milk, I have to actually create a situation where there is a cup of apple juice and a cup of milk in front of you and say, okay, now you choose. And what God says in Deuteronomy, he basically comes out and says point blankly, look, this day I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. And so what God essentially set up was a situation where he didn't set a cup of apple juice and a cup of milk in front of the nation. He set in front of them options of destiny. And he said, I've set before you life and death. There are different timelines that he created and their decisions determined what manifested. The, the, the question is, well, where do those timelines exist and what do they mean for us today? And I'll tell you what. The answer is quite profound when you talk to someone that has actually visited other timelines. Um, and that person is named Heidi, who is one of Robert's uh, alters. And Robert, I'll let you talk a little bit about Heidi before we have her come up. All right, Daniel. Uh, yes, uh, Heidi is uh, one of my alters that was created in, in very uh, young of my uh, early age. And she was created... Uh, for the Montauk project, and in particular for the time travel uh, part by writing the timelines. 
and she has been sent through multiple, quite a number of different timelines that goes back in our in our history, as well some even went go into the future. And as Montauk uh, programmers found out, and also uh, their masters uh, through other projects, is that our timeline that we occupy on this third dimensional uh, lane, if that is how you want to call it, uh, they couldn't break through the, the time barrier of 2012. But uh, apparently they did find out that through other timelines, they could see beyond 2012. Except for, for this one, and particularly, I feel personally the reason for this one is in the end that this is the original timeline that we occupy, and that is why Jesus Christ came, came to this particular timeline in order to set the captives free in the future. And mm -hmm. yes, you also write uh, in what you said before about choice, because yeah, I, I have heard the question that people ask. Well, why is God uh, letting the evil loose on, on the earth if he loves people? You could say from a one-dimensional perspective, if, if he is a loving father, then he only would give us only one option. But, as you also mentioned, he gave us free will. And every human has the option to choose one option or the other. Or in some cases, as as with people being born in bloodline families who initially were, were steered within, let's say, had the direction to serve the brotherhood or the family or whatever name you want to give it to people from the inside. He, uh, we also have the option to come out of it and to get completely uh, healed from what we have done and plead our alliance to Jesus Christ and, and to work on his side. And, and through his salvation uh, that he uh, yeah, that we are working on for uh, the counseling and everything else uh, this shows that even if you have been on the other side you still could ending up on, on God's side on the side of, of Jesus Christ when you accept him as our as our savior Amen. and and for that i i am very thankful and as you know, as i said before with people they they ask themselves if he is not if he if he, when he is a loving father uh, why is he giving letting us go through this in, in in the end people have to realize this life this lifetime that we now occupy is only a very limited lifetime the the, the big thing is what happens after this lifetime and the choices in this life depending on the, if we take the right or the left way the right hand part or the left hand part uh, that will decide where we will ending up for eternity and eternity is not like um, one of those board games Monopoly if you go to food start you don't go to jail but eternity in in heaven or in hell is for eternity as in the literal sense and and for this that is why god created all the all the possible infinite options that we all have and that we all can choose from because mm. in the end he only wants to have the right people 
who are righteous and and who are good he wants them to have in that in that particular place that he created what we call what we call heaven well robert and, um let's let's talk about heidi yes. now before we get into her um was she created at montauk or just just remind our listeners um how she was made and 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 for what purposes they you know she was designed okay now as as we already found out they already did the pre-birth uh, programming with mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. from day one when i came into my mother's room <clears throat> and programming started soon after i was born in a continuation and i think heidi herself herself was probably created around my age of three or four year olds in age and that was under uh, Dr. Green at, mm. the Chi- at the China Lake Weapon Facility in California. Mm. He by the way also was a consultant, a genetics consultant to the Montauk program as well for project. So he also ties in, in into that pro, into that pro, project as well. I know this is not very known information for a lot of people that has been following the whole Montauk thing because a lot of survivors, at least not the one on your show but on other shows, uh, don't talk about this part. But he was a major uh, major part within the Montauk as well, besides Preston, besides the shapeshifter Preston Nichols. And, and all the others. Uh, but Heidi was created around the age of four. And I got into the project in Montauk around 1970. So by the age of six, as Robert. Of course, they, the official story is that Montauk was created in 1970, and that is a load of baloney because they already started with the Montauk. Uh, soon after the Second World War, as we already had discussed in Montauk Exposed with Elena, if you remember. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Well, Robert, did you want to let Heidi come out so she can tell us what she saw when they began to use her to visit the other timelines? Okay. Uh, Before that she started to write the timelines, uh, that started around my age of, let's see, around eight or nine years old. So around 1973, three years in that I was in, into, the, into the program, because that is when they started to have the capability to write the timelines. Mm. So it was yeah, around 1973. So I was then about eight or nine years old. Okay. That they started to use uh, Heidi for the first time. Okay, I will uh, let her out then, and she can tell her own story. And uh, I hope that people will learn from it again. In, for now, I also want to say, uh, if there are other survivors out there who know that they also have been, uh, or when they kind of hear, hear things that they recognize from their own life and childhood, uh, I, I will still say to them that uh, that Bright Ministry is still a safe place for a lot of survivors to get help 
I think it is still one of the very few two, three places uh, at most that survivors can get help. And yeah, the, the counselors and coaches of Bright Ministry are able in the future to help those people, especially if they're starting to recognize certain things, what I will tell or Heidi mm. about the Montauk or even future shows as well. So that beside beside this, okay, I will uh, give it now the mic uh, to uh, to Heidi, and I will be back later on. All right, Robert. And so, folks, right now, um, what Robert is doing is he's actually uh, basically, if you think about the person as an airplane um, for a survivor, there is a cockpit where the pilot and the co-pilot will sit. And then behind that, there is a door and there's the rest of the airplane. And uh, typically with Robert's life, uh, there, there are a few of his parts that will be in the pilot chair, you know, living life through his body. Um, and sometimes Robert is one of those and he doesn't live his life all the time. There are others as well that do that. And Heidi is uh, one of his parts that basically has a seat somewhere on the airplane but today what Robert's done is he's had her step forward out of her seat on that airplane and step to the co-pilot chair. She's actually been, from before this interview, standing basically right next to Robert. And what he's doing now is turning over the, the mm, controls of the airplane from the pilot to the co-pilot chair so that Heidi can speak to us freely. And um, that's called switching. And so... If anyone is confused as to why a male would have a female part, again, we've been through this in a lot of other episodes, so I'm kind of just taking some liberties here in not explaining everything. But the reality is that during fragmentation due to trauma, people will split parts and those parts will have a gender identification that is not always the gender of the physical body. And that's just the way it is. And so with that said... Heidi, are you present? Yes. Hi, Hi, Ed. Daniel, nice meeting you. Hi, Heidi. It's so good to have you out. It's, I think, the first time I am out for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, you're so brave, Heidi. All right, thank you. Heidi, there's a number of timelines that you were sent to explore and investigate. Um, And I just want to let you tell us all about them. I know there is more than one. And so I just want to invite you to go through them one by one for the ones that you remember visiting and exploring. Tell us how they sent you to them and then tell us what you saw when you were in some of the other timelines. Okay. Um, there are the ones that I was sent to as when Robert was uh, little. Uh, so far, I remember because it's many years ago. By now, I have been at least sent in a way how they looked about. I would say twelve or more different timelines, mm. and some that looked as you see in, in pictures from the past. Could be some pictures that you see from maybe a couple of hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. And others I have seen 
from when I was sent, of course, what looked like the, the future. Hmm. Okay. And and some some were sent to this timeline, but all, also others were sent to slightly different timelines. So let's start with this, Heidi. How would they send you to a timeline? Okay, for for this, what they uh, they using a psychic, someone uh, with psychic abilities who can uh, sit in it, who can take place in a chair, and then you get all kinds of wires attached to him. And by what Robert explained to me is that I had other people that went through trauma would also did to Robert when Robert was raped and think, and other things like that. And the energy during the trauma is being stored, as Robert explained, in what we could call computer consoles nowadays. Mm. And those the energies were wired to the chair and to the psychic. And what happened then when the chair was activated in the psychic, you saw suddenly out of thin air a, a, a ball of light coming in, coming in, and out of that opened up a, a tunnel. Hmm. What was the tunnel like when you went in? Um, tunnel uh, was so black and it had different colors. And the energy in the tunnel seemed like vibrating. Uh, when it's hard to des describe it in, in words, um, it also had a certain sound uh, sound that it made as well, like a homing device that made a certain sound. And what it said, it had all all kinds of different lights as well, going like waves, if I recall. And mm. I was sent with older. Uh, boys and girls because uh, there were so well boys and girls uh, being sent uh, with us and we were in groups of 8 to 10 at the time and what was it like arriving in a timeline the first time the first experience I had as we were told we were still on this timeline my first, very first time, but we were sent in the past. And the first time I was sent with four others. Mm. And I ended up somewhere what looked like in the mid-1800s, if I recall the first time I was sent what is what you may call the city of Philadelphia. Okay. And uh, the time that I was there, it looked, uh, it felt like it was there, as if I was there for a week. Now, when you were there in this other timeline, was it as if you had a physical body? Yes. And the physical body you had there, was it your physical, like, like, um, did it look like you, Heidi, or did it? Was it Robert's body? Um, 
people saw Robert's body. Okay. But from my perspective, it looked like me with my pigtails and everything else. I think you call, that's how you call them. <laughs> now, what was your assignment when you went for that week um, to this particular timeline? Now, what I said, when I said a week, what I mean is from my experience on the other side, it's, it felt like a week. Mm. While probably in real time, we were only uh, away for hours or maybe four or five hours. But when we were on the other side, it felt like if we were there for a week. And I was with another kid, you know, older kid, who was, I think, about 10. And we ended up in a certain, t- certain part of this town or city. I think it is now a big city, but then it was, of course, much smaller. And people thought, because they saw us with no grown-ups, they thought that we were like runaways, if that's the right name, for kids that don't have parents. So we were taken in by uh, by a couple, as I recall. I would think the couple m- must have been a man and a woman in their 30s. Mm-hmm. And they seemed very worried that yeah, that they saw us with no uh, grown-ups around us. And what I remember is that everything there was, uh, the roads were not like, like what we have now with stones and everything. Some of the roads were still like dirt and gravel. So uh, yeah, when it was windy, then everything was blowing in your face. Mm. And also, what was strange to see people, uh, we we see now like automobiles, but the only form that you saw with people uh, in transportation then was with a horse and buggy and that type of trans- transportation. So okay. it was it was quite weird to see that, okay. especially from our point of view. Also, the language that they spoke then was still slightly different than we speak now, of course, because we are now at least 100 plus years further. Let's see, we are now in what year? 20... 2016. Yeah, so let's say we talk about probably 150 years back. So things were uh, completely different than now. and. Also, how the people were dressed was completely different. Now, how did they pull you out? <clears throat> On the other side, uh, a portal opened. Huh. And so, yeah, when we cut to the end of the portal, uh, suddenly things got much lighter. And we were told to go to the end of it and step out. What we did. And then we ended up in a completely different environment from where we started, because we started from under, from this base, what is known as Montauk Base. So it was quite weird said to suddenly to step out in, in, in open air. 
but they must have probably calculated roughly where we I would think should come out because we were not completely in, we were not in town so when you came back you're saying you didn't actually come back to Montauk you came back here but you were somewhere else no no when we stepped out of the tunnel uh -huh. on the other side mm. that was outside of what is now I think known as Philadelphia I oh, got it in Pennsylvania, I think in Pennsylvania, if I'm correct. And what it, what it says, it was weird because you step in into this very busy, yeah, underground space, and then you step on the other side out. What was uh, in the middle, almost in the middle of nowhere, it was in a, in a wooded area, but no houses, no nothing. Now, when it was time to then this is what I'm asking. When you were supposed to leave that place, the Philadelphia area, and come back, how did they get you back now, into this timeline? I'm not, I'm not sure the tech, technology that, <clears throat> that was used, okay. except that in this case, the guy, the boy that was with me, he had something on his uh, belt, some kind of... Uh, it had numbers on it and things like that, and he put put in a code, I guess, of some sort. Oh wow! I, he pointed in a certain direction, and something opened up again. In this case, we had to be at the same location where we ended up uh, out of the tunnel. Okay. But. That's the other, I've always seen him taking a thing of black box out of it from his uh, belt, take it in, in his hand. Uh, we were with, in total with three groups, three groups of uh, two, two girls and eight boys in total. That is on my first uh, time. And yeah, one guy gets... Uh, a box from his uh, belt uh, with numbers and I think also letters uh, on it and I see him only yeah, pouncing certain thing, things in on the keys and then yeah this whole this tunnel opened up again that's what I remember that's amazing so you were back and uh, this was not the first, the only, I, well, this was the first, but not the only time you no. did something like this. No, that was for me the first time, but after that, I was sent out many times. And there were others on the inside as well who were sent as well, but I was one of the main ones. Now, Heidi. Uh, you got another client. I, I, Robert told me not to call a name, but see, had thanked Robert or the, another personality in that person hmm. uh, who had thanked Robert for saving saving her during one of the other trips as well. And sometimes Robert himself also was sent uh, through the time tunnels as well. You know, on that point, Heidi, I, I have to make a, uh, a comment here. Guys, uh, what, what we find is that survivors and their parts um, particularly that connect with us will sometimes have 
a history or a knowledge of one another, and it's not always in the physical world that they have a knowledge of one another. And that's been a phenomenon that we have been able to track a bit, and Heidi is making reference to one of those moments. It is, it's real, and there is overlapping information that we're getting about different places and situations, um, not all in the 3D earth that we live in. It, it's, it's just so so mind-blowing. But um, thank you for sharing that, Heidi. Why don't you tell us about one of the other places you were sent? Okay. Another, another occasion I was sent to a slightly different timeline, and that was much further back in time than the 1800s. And again, I was sent with a group of 10 children, I was slightly, Robert was then slightly older, and he was sent with, uh, or with me out, and we were sent uh, to, the, to a different uh, timeline, slightly different, what you call the ancient Egyptian timeline, huh. that has been one of them, as well, some, some of the travels, people have to re remind, remember this, that's not all the travels is to the timelines on this earth. Some timelines also could be off-world as well. Right. Because, because traveling is not only confined to planet Earth. Uh, Robert had also occasions that he was sent and myself, we were sent to Mars to a different timeline. Right. Yeah. Timelines, people have to remember the following with timelines. It's like a freeway with all different lanes, and each lane represents, let's say, a different, a slightly a different time in opposite to, to, the, to the next one, out of sync of mm. each other. And that is the best way how to describe timelines. Things look familiar, but they are also slightly out of sync. And all, another thing is that on one timeline you could you could have, let's say that. And uh, another example I can give is I was also sent uh, on a slightly different timeline to the uh, Second World War. I think my Robert have maybe mentioned it to you. Yes. Well, before we get to the Second World War timeline. I really want to let you make a few statements about the timeline with ancient Egypt because there's a lot of weirdness that happened in ancient Egypt. Um, so I just want to know a few of the things that you saw or witnessed while you were there. Okay. Uh, one of those timelines that I was sent to was, again, slightly out of, as they told us, out of sync with ours, and they wanted to know the, the events that has happened during those periods and if I'm correct if I recall right one of the timelines that we were sent up in year must have been some somewhere around possibly 2000 BC around that time or maybe slightly further back in time and a certain ruler Pharaoh, if I is, is that how you call them, was in power, 
And what we also observed then is that we're also what you may call like alien beings uh, were present in uh, in Egypt. The ones that we have observed when we were there, uh, we were sent in a similar way as I described before. And as on one of those occasions that we have seen, we have seen so well the little dwarf, uh, dwarf type of beings, you call them gray beings, huh. if, if, if I'm recalled. Another one was, as Robert told me, a seven foot praying mantis type uh, of the creature that looked like the uh, insect of the praying mantis. Very thin and very tall and green. Oh my gosh. And, and another one that looked more like a very big reptilian uh, that we have observed okay. on that particular timeline. And it seemed that so far we could see is that they were venerated like a god in ancient Egypt. As Ro Robert told me earlier today, uh, he has shown me uh, apparently he showed me he has shown me some things that they found. In the, on this timeline, they found certain hieroglyphics mm -hmm. in which certain beings were uh, seen on, on those hieroglyphics. So what we have seen on that particular timeline apparently has maybe also been witnessed on our timeline. Because how is it that the uh, Egyptians in their hieroglyphics on the wall could describe certain creatures like what looked like those big eyed rays, as Robert has shown me earlier today. Uh, what they found, I think, 20 years ago or something. That is fascinating, huh? But they were they were seen as as gods in, in that timeline, and the humans, uh, some of the humans were treated like slaves especially by the reptilians, by the reptilian type of uh, beings. And uh, those were even bigger than in size than the one as the praying mantis. Now, you um, you began in on World War II. So I'm going to fast forward now and uh, let you talk to us about what you saw in that timeline. This is really fascinating. Thank you for sharing, Heidi. Okay, you're welcome. I think Robert may have mentioned earlier, in his earlier part, I think, of, of the counseling with you. Some of it, I think. Mm -hmm. And at one occasion, we were sent uh, with a uh, mission statement to see uh, what happened in different timelines of the outcome of the Second World War. And different uh, groups, boys and girls, were sent to different timelines concerning the Second World War and who has uh, won or lost. And on one of those occasions, I was sent with another Heidi. I think there was in, an, in a boy as well, if I'm correct. And with a few other girls, some girls were older than Robert. And we were sent 
uh, to a timeline uh, what's again slightly out of sync with this one and in that particular one we came in that America was quite certain cities uh, as we heard on the radio were quite devastated already it was at the end of the Second World War in, on one occasion and uh, England if I recall had made a treaty before the Second World War with uh, Nazi Germany I guess in part it had to do, had to, deal, to do with of course that the Windsors who were on the throne in that uh, reality as well they are a Germanic bloodline so yeah they were always more on the side of Nazi Germany because of it and they made a treaty with, uh, with Germany, Nazi Germany to stay out of the war and they also have let uh, allow the western part of England to be used by uh, the Nazis for installations uh, for their uh, cannons and and even their naval bases hmm. and from there they developed their atomic weapons as I think they were and they had thrown them on cities like New York City uh, what was one of the cities what was uh, obliterated and soon after before we went back there were talk what we heard on the radio that the US government was planning to uh, what is it? to surrender to Nazi Germany because they were not ready as, as yet uh, to fight back because they had not the same weapons at that time and this if I recall from my memory it must have been late 1944 huh. about this particular timeline and so you were actually in this timeline walking yes, with, around and engaging with others. with others yes and again I, we, we, we were all in couples of two like a boy and a girl, etc. Et mm -hmm. So uh, we were again taken in by people because they thought we were orphanage, we were orphans, and because of all the violence going on. And again, to my experience, it felt as, as if I was there for a week. And the things I have seen and, and heard, especially on the radio, because they didn't have TV in, that, in the way as we have now. Only very few people, if I recall, had a black and white TV. Because, yeah, it was in the early stages of the TV uh, at that time. So only the very rich were able to have a TV, and the rest of the country, of the people, were uh, listening on the radio. That is something else Heidi my goodness are there um are there other timelines you wanted to talk about that you had visited um I was uh, sent again to another timeline with three other uh, children mm -hmm. that was slightly later and again that was second world war or no not second that was before the second world war okay 
and in it was in the mid 30s and apparently a fascist group of generals uh, took over and they had established uh, you could say military dictatorship mm-hmm. in here in the, in the United in the, that is in the United States and there were talk that they wanted to um, to work together with Nazi Germany by coincidence, Robert uh, told me last year, is in reality on this timeline apparently almost a similar thing almost occurred, but on but that failed because one general apparently didn't want to do to work on this, and he went apparently to the government and they they had stopped this from happening on this timeline in the mid thirties. But apparently it almost happened for real on this timeline as well. If that would have happened, uh, then the same thing would have happened on our timeline, as in the timeline that I had visited, in which, uh, in this case, the United States was uh, working alongside uh, with uh, Germany. My goodness. Or at least the United States at least stayed out of the war. And you know... As you're talking, Heidi, this is the thing that it speaks to me is like, folks, you have no idea how important your life and decisions really are because other possibilities we may not think they exist. They do. The design of God is far more complex than we think and our decisions or inability to act on things maybe the will of god for our lives will have huge impact and um that's that's really sobering uh go go ahead heidi um what else did you want to say yeah people must good point that you made because people one must remind that also on the other timelines a lot of people are like them they live their normal lives, their everyday things, going to the factory or to the office. They got kids who play ball and all those type of things. And a lot of them are even not aware about about us and, and about other timelines because they live in similar in similar situations as us. And each timeline, they got their good points and the bad points and it all depends on not only on your personal choice but also on a collective level the choices that we make uh, on a, as a collective as a human race or even on a country uh, level as we have seen as Robert has said about what happened now that we got a new president coming in and, all, and all, whatever will happen out of that this um, in, Hmm. But I already said timelines not only operates on a planetary level, it also works on non on a non planetary level as well with other planets. And one of the other timelines that we were visit again, uh, one of them was also Mars. So what happened on the timeline for Mars that they sent you? The to one the that we were sent to was in the future. Okay. And I was sent around, I think, 
around 2000 as they told told us and we ended up uh, on the on the on the planet itself what is breathable but i have to say again it was slightly different timeline than the mars that we see although even on on the mars that we can see in in the 3d world is breathable as well it is not as our scientists claim uh, that you need to have certain masks and everything on because we got as robert says soldiers uh, walking on mars uh, just in normal clothing as we have done in soldiers uniforms of course except they have to be very careful because the wildlife is not as friendly as robert says <coughs> oh my gosh uh, there has been incidents uh yeah they got as uh, robert has seen on, on our physical Mars, they got certain type of animals, what we may could have called like dinosaurs from our past, fishes, reptilians. And there has been a number of instances that Robert remember when he was on Mars that uh, soldiers disappeared and uh, they only found certain parts of the body because they were snatched up by by certain predatory animals but uh, when I was sent to Mars into the future with uh, four, four other kids again and we ended up in a shining city the city was uh, with glass buildings all around and it was in the dome and uh, we ended um, we ended up outside of the dome and this, this dome is uh, an electromagnetic field you can see see through it as if it is like glass but in, in essence it is energy and when we got there we saw there humans uh, working and living together with other species one of the species we saw were, were humanoids they looked like bipedal like humans except they had the blue skin my goodness and um, i think robert says said earlier uh, last week uh some of the beings or at least the color blue uh as robert described is from the, what you see in the movie uh with this uh, opera singer in the movie the fifth element there's a blue uh, type of yes, uh, I remember picture, that, and it was that type of blue. Huh. I'm not sure what type of blue that is, but if people remember that movie, uh, the beings that we saw uh, that looked like that, and those beings had black hair. Well, and you know the interesting thing is that in Indian, uh, well, they would call it mythology, but really it's just Hindu. Uh, tradition there are a lot of gods and beings that express that trait the blue skin it's like a trademark there's a whole bunch of them that have that and uh, there's also another phenomena we've run into with other survivors that's been reported to me just blue people there's really something to this whole blue skin thing and Robert you're just adding uh, or uh, I should say Heidi you are adding another piece of information on that vein um, go ahead, please continue. This is fascinating. Okay. 
Okay, what it says, we were sent to a different, slightly different timeline again in the year 2000, as we were told, and it was in the 70s. So we were sent probably 20, 25 years ahead. And we were sent to, to Mars, and we were sent to this dome, dome city, or we ended up in this dome city. Mm -hmm. And as we were told, uh, the language that they spoke was not English. It, it, it sounded like English, but not completely, because they had a hard time understanding us if we tried to talk. Uh, but again, there was also this uh, this group, yeah, what were not from Planet Earth, who were blue-skinned, and they spoke in how how do I call it? It's that they don't speak uh, verbally, they speak through thoughts. They call that telepathy. Okay, so that is how they communicated. And, and it's strange to hear suddenly people speak to you, not by, uh, not by sounds, but we normally speak, but that they speak directly with thoughts in your head. And <clears throat> they, they told us we only have to think uh, to think thoughts, and then they could uh, receive what we were thinking or saying to them. So that was quite a weird experience because I was always taught when you speak with someone, you open up your mouth and sound comes out. So that was quite a, a weird experience. Also, those pe those blue people were quite tall. If I took the humans that were in this city, and we have seen different, uh, we saw humans with light hair and light skin, mm -hmm. like what we have in America and in Europe. But we also saw uh, humans that had like, let's say, black hair and very uh, like uh, dark brown skin. Probably I think closest to them is like the aboriginals and also probably some of the pe people that come from the, let's say, India, from from those type of parts of the world, and they were in comparison small to some of the bluest people because some of the bluest people, I would guess, they probably over seven foot tall. If I take in, in comparison to the humans who uh, who maybe reach around six. And the blues people were quite tall in comparison. And some of the technologies uh, that we saw is they don't have cars as we have. Uh, what they had is it looked like a car on the outside, but it seemed to go on electromagnetic waves. It's like floating in the air. So, so that was quite weird to see and quite scary because what, what goes up as Robert says, also comes down. <laughs> and that's a scary thought, to, to, to be honest. And and this city also was quite busy as well. It was bustling with people all over. I, I would say that in the spaces that we were, or parts of the city that we were, we saw thousands and thousands and thousands of them, and all working side by side. and. It looked also quite peaceful and clean. 
but it's, uh, it was a shining city. F uh, the buildings were all of uh, glass. It looked huh. like glass. And the pavements were like uh, shining white. It looked like white. With a shining coat over it. And now, yeah, they had also things like they had what we could see animals or what looked like animals. Uh, I have not seen animals like pets that we have as dogs or cats. Okay. But they had different other animals. Uh, I have seen what looked like a horse uh, and smaller animals like uh, as well, but not as we have like cats and dogs. And yeah, it was, it was a weird experience. But yeah, it's strange to see cars uh, flying over your head and things like that. And it's, uh, yeah, so we were there for, again, the experience sounded like a week uh, that we had to go there t to observe and we had to write down everything we saw and things like that and we had to bring it back to the Montauk base. And the, so far, people we saw or the beings seemed to live in peace and in harmony. That is something else. And and they were the humans there were brought there a, a long time ago, as we were told. Huh. Uh, and they lived there for apparently for thousands of years, or something. Uh, what we were told by some of the humans so far, they remember. Now I'm going to pause you here, Heidi, because I want to just put something out there that under any other circumstances would just be so outlandish sounding that it's not even worth saying. But God began speaking to me during my journaling time about how what he had in store for my life and, and, and really the ministries of others in this present time would lead to the redemption of people on other planets. And when he first started talking to me about this, I thought I was kind of loony and a, and a little bit off because I said, that's just ridiculous, God, um, if this is even the voice of God, because there are no people on other planets. This is, this is ludicrous. But, you know, I just wrote it down anyway because that's what I do with my journaling time with God. I don't share most of what I write down in... Uh, my, my, my journal is pretty pretty hands-off because there's a lot of things in there that I just can't share. Uh, God takes me very far beyond what I talk about in that journal. However, as, as Heidi's explaining some of these things, it's making some of the, the things I know I've heard God speak about make sense and have context, have a grid. They, they have transported people around um, some of them are on other planets. And that's just the way it is at this point in history. Somehow God has a way to sort this out. Do I know what that is? No. But do I know that he has something in mind? Yes. Are some of you going to be involved in God's strategies for other people that happen to be part of these things and present in other places? Yes. And so... 
this information isn't just something to dismiss. This is actually intel that may clarify things that some of you are hearing from the Lord about things he wants to unveil in, in your lives and ministries in the future. And, and again, I'm not suggesting strategies or protocols. or I, I don't know. Um, but what I do know is I'm hearing information that seems to substantiate things I've gotten in prayer. And it's wild. Um, so, Heidi, was there more that you wanted to say about this particular domed city or was that was that about it um no, i would say that the people that told us is that they were brought there over the course of what we call thousands of years and they were brought from various places from the earth uh, they were in group with upworlders as they call them what we call aliens and again, some of the aliens that they described and brought them over is what we, as Robert says, sees uh, coming and going throughout history, uh, back and forth, like what we call the gray aliens, in, in conjunction with some that look like angels or with uh, at least like tall, tall humans with blondish hair. I think you call them Nordics. I think, oh my gosh. and people have been brought over there, over there, and as I was told, they got also other places besides uh, Mars where they have been brought as well. I think they mentioned some of the moons. Mm -hmm. I think uh, some of them is some of the moons I think of, as I recall, Jupiter. Mm -hmm. I think one of the names they mentioned was a moon called Europe. Okay. Or something like that, if I recall right. And <clears throat> so they had similar things over over there going on as well. They didn't say what the reason was why they were brought there. They were left out uh, about that, but. This has been going on, they said, for thousands of years. That there have been brought various groupings of uh, people. And this city has been, has been quite old, as they said. Has been at least, as they recall, what we would call, like, at least a thousand year. Or something like that, in that order. Even though it looked quite new, at least from my point of view then. But no. that's that's really in, in there. What they told was at least a thousand year old. That is just mind blowing. And I know right now, Heidi, you have everyone that's listening um, with their jaws on the floor. I, I mean, this is just incredible information and insights. Um, were there any other timelines that you were sent to that you want to talk about, or? Um, because they there was some tried, other... Go ahead. Yeah, they tried to send us on this timeline also into the future. Mm -hmm. And that, that was beyond 2012. But that failed. <laughs> because we ended up every time in a barrier, energy barrier, that we couldn't penetrate on this physical, on this physical plane. You know... What we call, what we call the third dimension. And... The Montauk scientists never could find out why that why that is. 
while we were also sent on other timelines. And in those other timelines, on various occasions, we, they were able to send people much further into the future. Hmm. On one, one of those occasions, I was sent again with a group of uh, other young people, boys and girls, and we were sent, I think, it was somewhere around, um, was way back into the future, it was in, in this century, in the 21st century, I think it was around 20, 21, no, what is it? Yeah, 2150, if I'm correct. And in, in that world, uh, it was completely different what we see now. Uh, there was no, no such thing as a democracy anymore. Everything was... Uh, before, before we got there, at least 15 years before that, there was a dictatorship uh, ruling by what seemed to be now what we now know as as the Rothschilds uh, and 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 the people uh, under them and when we arrived 15 years later that was around 2150 uh, the situation was slightly changed because they had an artificial intelligence that was then, uh, running uh, that was controlling everything on the earth and people were uh, almost like slaves that is the people that has survived the onslaught before because when the Rothschilds took over they had wiped out two-thirds of the earth population on that timeline as they have also as you know plans in this timeline if they think that they can away, get away with so the population was only down then to less than 2 billion and what we were told is then that was then around 2 no uh, let's see 2000 no wait a minute we are now in 20 or 21 no wait a minute we are now in 20 2016 yes no it was in 2050 Pardon my uh, that I said 21. No, it was in 2050 that we were sent, and then the world was ruled by artificial intelligence, and that controlled everything. But the onslaught on the human population took place around 2035, when the Rothschilds, through their puppets, uh, took, uh, took over. And they started a war, a war that decimated uh, uh, two-thirds of the population. Got it. And the war started between the United States and, and Russia in that timeline. You know, it, it's so interesting because, you know, from others, I've heard that one of the uh, plans was to have a new world order in place by the year 2000. Um, or even 2012 and obviously these kinds of plans have not worked out and here you are telling me that they have plans extending and and, and Eric can even look at timelines going to 2035 2050 it's that means they know that 
there are a lot of different ways things can play out even on the dark side they don't have a full control over anything and they're able to look at search out a lot of different timelines and ways things can play out it's just very fascinating to me that and was that was one of our missions that we were given uh, the leaders uh, the, among us that went uh, with us mm -hmm. later robert became one of many cut all the into the program, he was one of those uh, team leaders that went with other kids. But and that is when, on one of those occasions, he saved one uh, one of the people that I think work also with Bride Ministry. When that altar of that person came out to thank Robert, uh, that was a couple of months ago, okay. if I recall. But yeah, we we were sent to investigate certain events how they could play out on different timelines and from their point of view what they could do about it of course because they yeah they probably found out that not everything went or could go as they had hoped for and robert also was told on this timeline that the original timing for their new world order uh, was planned for 2000. oh well there it is but so... then uh, as Robert found out in 77, I'm not sure if Robert has told you this, that at one point after his 13th year uh, initiation under the, the Vatican, he was brought to the mansion in England of the, the Watchouts. And when he was there, one of his aides of Sir Evelyn, Robert the Watchout, uh, came in, the aide, with the bad news that the Romanov had survived. And I can imagine that has yeah, uh, thrown out the timeline for 2000, for the year 2000, out of the window. Hmm. It, because initially they had planned, the plan was for a long time to install their new world order for the age of horrors, as they call it, as Robert was told. Uh, it was planned for the year 2000. Now, Heidi, are there any other timelines that you want to tell us about? Um, no, there's at the moment, uh, maybe another time, that, uh, when more memories come through. Okay. Sometimes I have trouble with, with the memories and sometimes they can be painful. We're working on it. Heidi, you are so brave and I want to say thank you so much for... You're welcome coming out and talking to us and sharing all of this information it's not easy and i just want to tell you that i'm really proud of you you're welcome i had hoped as i think you said to robert initially the plan was uh, to, to speak with another person who i will not mention now uh, who also had a heidi being used maybe that will maybe still happen one day in the future yeah i pray for that yeah. And that would be nice, uh, yeah, to have them two Heidi's on your show <laughs> about, about the Montauk. <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you what, why don't you let Robert come back up and uh, take it easy. Thank you so much, Heidi. You're welcome, and I hope one day to come back in your show. Okay. It was, it, it was a uh, pleasure to be here and to help uh, also Robert in his own healing as well. 
Yeah. So, yeah, good luck with the rest of your uh, show. Thank you. You're welcome. And I will let Robert now back uh, back out then. Until soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello. Hi, Robert. Hi. So, uh, so how did Heidi do it? <laughs> well, we're still recording. She did outstanding. My jaw is still on the floor. There were things that she shared just now that I have not heard you tell me before, which um, okay. had okay. me fascinated, uh, usually. Okay. <laughs> I wonder what she has thought. I have to wait till the show comes out then. She did a fantastic job, though. Like everyone else. Right. <laughs> um, so we have another 20 minutes or so, Robert. Can we get into black-eyed children for about 20 minutes? I want to take the rest of this time and spend, spend it talking about the black-eyed children. Now, this is a phenomenon that has been pointed out by a lot of people. I think... Um, the one person that, that gave it a lot of attention earlier on was L.A. Marzulli. And um, I know that I've had oh. reports of black-eyed children coming to me from different survivors, and there's been different descriptions, and you certainly are one of them. And you've had your own encounters, and your parts have had encounters with black-eyed children. And I wanted to let you talk about it from your perspective and what you know about them. So... Uh, just plainly stated, Robert, what can you tell us about black-eyed children? All right, it's good to be back uh, back in the seat, uh, in the front seat, after Heidi came out. And uh, concerning black-eyed children, so far I have seen online, it seemed to be a recent development. I think probably no less than ten years old, if I recall, that I have been seen more white, uh, more in the open. And the origin so far I know from the black-eyed children are varied. Uh, some, depending what part of the world, some are connected, goes back to uh, Africa, to the witchcraft uh, coffins over there, and the, voodoo, uh, the whole voodoo culture, because we had experience so well within the US and, and Europe, but we have also had experiences in Africa. I'm not sure if uh, Brit wasn't Brittany that spoke about the uh, spirit children? Yeah. Yes, and during one of those occasions, also, as she told me, that was after the show. Then, is that uh, on one of the occasions when they did their rituals, and a portal opened up out of the fire, she saw her kids coming out of there, uh, and those kids had. Uh, black eyes it were like sinkholes uh, mm. when Brittany saw them and the the photos or the I've looked it up over the last couple of weeks because the, you said to us that it's going to be one of the subjects so I uh, so far what I see, have seen uh, about the black eyes is only a recent thing here in the west about the origin uh, and what those uh, what they are made of is demonic 
in some cases, depending on from the African point of view, uh, some of the kids, street kids, uh, who has been employed uh, undergo uh, ritual abuse for one, a lot of them, and they're going to be possessed by demons. And from the moment that they go in full agreement, or even the soul has been kicked out, when the demon completely take over, that also make their eyes uh, go completely black, and those children, and adults, by the way, as well, adults. Uh, they yeah. are, we talk about uh, people, because I thought people as you know, uh, grown-ups and, and children, are fully and completely demonic. There is no human substance anymore in the body, what we normally would call a soul. And they only can operate and do their thing when we as humans give fully our agreement. And one of the way how they operate in the West is that they uh, they operate in pairs uh, normally. And what they do is, in order to get, to get your agreement, they're knocking on doors of people, especially late at night, or at least in the evenings, most of the cases, and they ask if they can come in for maybe a phone call or whatever. And from the moment that you let, if you from the moment that you let them in as as peers, when you sit in your house, yeah, then you give them agreement to come in your life. It's the same as what the Bible says. I think about demons. If I'm, you can probably correct me more about it on that. Uh, I think there's a story in the Bible somewhere about. Yeah, that evil only can operate when you give them permission, like demons. Yeah, they, they, well, that is just something that is understood about uh, any kind of deliverance ministry. Like, that the, the reason why spirits are able to afflict people is because they have an access point somewhere. And the access point can be, uh, it, well, generational. It can be willful sin. It can be cursed objects in the home. It can be inner vows. It can be traumas that the person has endured. It, there's a whole host of reasons why uh, a, a person has an open door to some kind of demonic affliction in their lives. And uh, sometimes it's even genetic, as we've learned with um, our work with survivors. So, you know, um, yes, that's that's absolutely true. But go ahead. Continue talking. Okay. Um no, yeah, what I said, uh, they only can operate in, in, in people's uh, surrounding when people allow them to get into their home when they ask to come in for, for whatever they're asking the people for. So, listeners, when you hear this, and you can have in the future, my God, I hope it will never happen, but when it happens and suddenly you've got two uh, kids with a hoodie on and you see complete blackness, and also you feel a very negative energy, don't open the door and don't let them in in any way. And the same when you're driving in your car and you're standing, let's say, with a stoplight and suddenly you hear a knock on your windows, it's, it's the same thing, don't let them in. Because from the moment you let them in, you give them permission to be in your life and whatever they will do then with you. Uh, concerning the origin, as I said, they are demonic. Uh, some of them probably started out as humans, but they fell in the, in the hands of the Illuminati programmers 
and I uh, the, the the kids were completely uh, yeah, tortured and, and other things but also open up the body for demon possession and that is how then those demonic spirits can take over and from the moment they have completely taken over the body uh, then when the original soul has maybe left the body or is in the, or is as a prisoner in the body then also for some reason the eyes seem to turn completely black it's like black sinkholes like a black hole literally with no life in it also for some reason they seem to get also almost like white very light skinned and that makes of course the contrast even more uh, more bigger but most of them always wear like a hoodie type of thing over there over their head and that is also how you can recognize them and people must realize realize most of the time they always operate are in a pair as in two and it's not only with children because I know it is in the, in, the, in the media in the alternative media and it shows that they talk about the black black-eyed children but there are also adults like them as well hmm. and they also created uh, the bodies are all some of the bodies are also created artificially within uh, places like Dalsy as I have seen and then some for some somehow they revived the body alive and then they're planting those demonic uh, made soul matrix or whatever you want to call it in them as well and that is another origin that I have seen as well from the 70s and 80s onwards and that's really yeah. that's really fascinating you know and, and that's what I've actually had concluded as well Robert is that with the phenomena of black-eyed children it's it's kind of like everything else it's not that they exist because of only one source or one origin. There's a number of testimonies coming forward that I've run into personally where it's like, hmm, you can't put all of these in the same box. There's different types of black yes. children and, and you're even bringing in adults into the into the conversation. I know that's true. I know I that's seen, true. I and, have seen so well children as adults. And... Um, you know, in, in that whole Africa thing that you brought up initially, I actually found that uh, being documented in one of the books that I referenced in a program I did way back called uh, Water Spirits in Underwater Cities. I uh, found a book where a gentleman from Africa was talking about the black-eyed children over there. And he didn't call them black-eyed children. He just described these street children that would be taken in, um, by, by by the, you know, the... the warlocks or whatever these these yeah. guys were and the witch doctors and they'd be taken to underwater cities and then that they'd be I, that is one of the places that i have seen them myself oh my gosh as a child, as a child. oh my gosh and, yeah, go and ahead. In, those, in those cities what i was shown is that they a lot of the things that what we take for granted in our world like tvs like other technologies computers uh, and anything that we use are originally created and the concepts coming from from those places <clears throat> from the un underwater places uh, under the Atlantic and other oceans as well but the ones that I have been uh, been brought to uh, were the entrances were before the coast 
of Ghana and also Nigeria. But I also know that they also brought in, let's say, politicians from the United States, Canada, and other countries. And if it was brought in from the United States, some of the entrance points were, let's say, in one of the uh, one of the islands of the Bahamas, uh, among other things. And from there, they got a tunnel system that goes directly to those underground cities. Mm. Mm. But in those cities, yes, uh, you see there are all types of creatures. I know that we have been learned through um, fairy tales that mermaids, for one, are, are positive. They were initially positive. Unfortunate, as you also know, Satan has corrupted everything what God created for his own uh, for his own purposes. And the same with uh, what we would call like mermaids. Uh, when I was brought there on, on three, at least three occasions uh, at the entrances of this on the city uh, underwater cities, they had uh, guards like mermaids that were about at least I would say nine foot uh, tall, <clears throat> and they had prong type prong type of weapons that gave uh, electricity off when when they touch you. Now that is, um, and you know, there have been other survivors that have told me about the mermaids as well. I'll tell you what, there are cave drawings of mermaids that go back way far. Uh, there is a absolutely zero question in my mind that the the phenomena called mermaids are are merfolk is yes, real. It's, it's absolutely real. Um, it's really interesting that you're suggesting that they were initially good or a creation of God. I, I um, I. I I mean, but, yeah, they, I don't they even were, know. They were created by someone, mm. and as we all know from from the Bible, is that God uh, is that uh, Lucifer, aka Satan, and his band of fallen angels. They not only corrupted the human genome; they corrupted any form of genome, plant life, animal life, anything that God created good. You know, I, I, I'm going to throw a joke out here, but I, I really have always assumed that cockroaches were a manifestation of satanic uh, genetic uh, counterfeiting. I cannot. I just have a hard time believing God created that nasty thing. Um, I hate cockroaches. I lived in an apartment for two years which, which had them. And oh I just said, this, th yeah, this is pure Satan. Anyway, I mean, I, I know that some people, like, come on, there's worse things out there than cockroaches, Danville. Well, yeah, but they're pretty bad, and they're pretty high up on the list in my world. They, so, they, could, be, they could be on itself maybe a hybrid species from a different species that Satan created. Oh, my goodness. That, that, that sure is possible, but initially, uh, all the species that God created as basic species, yeah, say as we know, Satan uh, corrupted everything that God created because of his hate for God, his disdain, and everything else. But no doubt, he he also have yeah crossbreeds, his own fallen is the 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 DNA of the fallen angels with everything possible, and also crossbreeded every species with another species. As I'm not going to twist that because I think that is also the case as well, but. Hmm. To, to say per se that yeah merfolk uh, are evil hmm. because we have seen them on the ground doesn't per se uh, say that 
maybe they were initially not God's creation because in the end, as we all know, is that Satan corrupt every life form. That's really... If he can get his hands on. That's really, really interesting, Robert. You know, guys, um, we are out of time. Robert, this this has been a phenomenal uh, program. Um, Heidi has left me. I'm still blown away by what she was sharing. And uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to definitely be having you back because we have so, so much more to talk about. I mean, we, we got through two points on our list of, of five and we were being conservative yes. here. So, folks, there will be more uh, conversations I'll be having with Robert Van Dries Mitchell in the future. Um, did you have any last words you wanted to say before I close out this program, Robert? Um, no, not at the moment, except that, yeah, if survivors need help, Bright Ministry is still the place to contact, uh, especially if they heard certain things what suddenly ring the bell up till their soul about that they had similar experience. I certainly would urge any survivor to contact Bright Ministry for help. I know there is at the moment a waiting list, uh, unfortunate. But uh, still, I feel the Bright Ministry is the only one of the very few places that they can go to for help. And yeah, that's the only thing what I wanted, wanted to say. And it was a pleasure to be back on your show again. And I certainly hope for more shows to come in the future. And Heidi says also she hopes to be back in the future as well. <laughs> awesome. And, well, Robert, and, why don't you throw out your new blog? Yes, let me get the address uh, on it. The new blog, uh, because the other one was hijacked, is called Revised Lifting of the Illusionary Fail. And I will give Daniel later on uh, the link of it, so people also can maybe also find it then through uh, Bright Ministry as well, if you can put up the link there as well. But the new name is Revised Lifting of the Illusionary Fail, and it is by Robert Van Dreist Mitchell. Perfect. So, folks, um, that'll be in the show description. Robert, like I've said many times, brother, you are so brave. I, uh, I, I'm so proud of you for coming this far, um, for making the sacrifices that you've made enduring the things you've endured and uh, continuing to press into your healing journey and to share your story and testimony to bring hope, to bring insight to others. And I, I, I just really, truly respect you as a, as a friend and also as, as just a child of God. And so... It's part of my soul, soul mission as well. So that is why I had to survive everything that I had to go through and quitting is not something that is in my dictionary (laughs) so I I will never I will never quit because that is some giving in what the enemy wants and if the enemy throws at me something I will throw it three times back or seven times so uh, from that point uh, we will never quit and we will continue to share our story in blog form and in through your shows and other shows that come our way so that we can help to set other survivors free and educate in the meantime also the the people out there mm-hmm. folks that's the word we are out of time you have been listening to discovering the truth with dan Duvall. 
happy Thanksgiving. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan DeVall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.